This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is May the 28th, 2021. Wow, strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin unconfiscatable. Don't FOMO on alts. Don't believe the hype, the FUD. Compete, don't complain. I'm offended by selling. This game is not rigged. All right, we got a lot of guests here. It's it's the new style format here. People come and go. It's going to be awesome. This week in Bitcoin, Jonathan Hamill returns. Marty's Al, he makes a, his debut. Bitcoin Clot, he makes his debut. Nima is back after a tremendously long absence. You veterans will remember him. And Alex Spetsky, hopefully he'll be here. He's got a bad connection. But praise the Lord, Alex Spetsky is in the United States of America. You can start the party even if he's not here today. All right, so we're going to start with Nima. He's got a best guest in the freaking space. They're all linked to below. Pound that like button. We'll, we'll start with Nima. He's got a really awesome article out there. Uh, it is called Bitcoin is the first global market for electricity and will unleash renewables. All right. So he's got a very nice, you know, we've got all this energy FUD out there now, and we're going to have to deal with this for a while. But this is a very easy to understand article with some, some great talking points that you can bring up if you want to waste time arguing with these FUDsters. And he's, in, one quote is, in one fell swoop, the mere existence of Bitcoin power market introduces universal competition to every grid while empowering gener generators with optionality and implied floor price for all their current and future capacity. Now, NEMA is in the energy industry. What, what, what I basically read you right there is all these power generators, they got a deal with the grid. That's all they've ever sold to is the grid, all right? I'm simplifying it. Now there's competition. They can sell to these Bitcoin miners. This is a this is a positive thing. Competition is great. So Nima, you take it away. You explain your article. What is the deal? And tell us about your background a little bit too. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah. So my background, for those who don't know me, is uh, I'm in the energy industry. I've worked in like conventional generation, like gas turbines and stuff, and renewables and, and wind turbines. And this article is really meant to be a wake up call for the energy industry. So what I can tell you is the energy industry is totally asleep to what's going on in Bitcoin. They have no idea that a whole new market for energy has opened up uh, and it's it's an opportunity for them. Right. So it's, it's not a threat. It's not a disruption for the energy industry per se. It is an opportunity for, for the people that want to generate electricity and sell it to have optionality. And as you said, you know, the grids are monopolies. So, you know, every grid is regional, like New York has its own grid, Texas has its own grid. They're pure monopolies and they have all the power. And there's lots of projects that want to connect to the grid that can't. The prices are not high enough to connect. Uh, the rules are not in their favor, etc. It's a, it's a quagmire. It's like the grid regulation books are this thick thousands of pages of rules that you have to know you have to you have to adhere to and suddenly you know you have this bitcoin power market where the price is transparent i mean it's effectively every 10 minutes we know what the next block is going to be worth right it's the fees and subsidy so that's effectively the price and anyone can connect 
there's, there's really no rules. As long as you can get your hands on some ASICs, you can connect to that instead. Or you can connect to both and have optionality. At any given time, you can sell into the grid or into Bitcoin. That's like a zero to one transition, right? Because you're going from basically being captive to a monopoly, which is your local grid, to suddenly having optionality. And that like that change that should change the conversation for for people that want to generate power. Um, it lowers their risk. It increases their options. Um, it's it should be transformational. But what the point of the article is, you know, no one realizes this yet in the energy industry. It's just on the edges. You know, you're starting to get people kind of realizing this. Um, but this is meant to be a wake up call, and uh, I'm waiting to see how it's going to be going to be received. Because as you know, the energy industry they've kind of bought into the FUD, right? So, you know, they, they, they're not seeing it as opportunity. They're seeing it as a threat, which is just, you know, the exact opposite way that they should be looking at this. And this is meant to, this article is meant to flip the table on that and just say, you know, if you're in this, in the power industry, you should be looking at this as pretty much the best thing that's happened to this sector in, you know, a hundred years since grids came out. Because they've we've been captive to these grids for about a century, right? They've, that's it's been the monopoly buyer of power. It's the only way to access your customers, and uh, they hold all the all the power. So Bitcoin opens that up. It smashes one of the biggest monopolies that's left. Um, and it's great for these renewable producers too, right? These these alternative form of of energy. Uh, I mean, they they've had a hard time. They've had to locate near grids in the past in order to 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 be efficient yeah. to, to actually sell. Now they can be anywhere, right? And just sell to to Bitcoin miners, correct? Well, that's that's the point, right? So, like, the best renewable resources in the world are almost by definition never located near where we need the power, right? Like, here in, I live in the UK, right? The islands in Scotland, the far north of Scotland in the uh, North Sea, they're, like, incredible renewable resources, but they're not developed at all because what the problem is is that the grid capacity doesn't exist to get that power down to, you know, the south of England, where, where people live, right? And that's the case everywhere, like the Sahara, you know, the sunny deserts, Nevada, you know, Nevada deserts that aren't near any load centers and stuff. So it's been about location in the past, right? You had to have this alignment of good resource, a grid capacity and a nearby load. That That's totally gone now. Now you can be located anywhere. All you need is your, your ASICs and a satellite internet connection basically, right? So you're totally location agnostic. All you have to look at is what's the quality of the resource? Is the renewable resource really good? If it is, that means by definition, your power is going to be cheap as well. So you're going to be really competitive and you can build the site. And the other thing is even some of the sites that are developed. So a lot of people don't realize this, but like when a two megawatt solar farm is built somewhere, it's very rarely limited to two megawatts because the resource is two megawatts. It's the grid capacity that is usually the constraint. So like the grid will say, hey, at this location where you want to build, we have two megawatts for you. That site could maybe produce 10 megawatts. You know, we don't know. Like they probably have more land and the, res the resource is probably good. Suddenly they can go beyond that. So they have a site there. Now they can build the other eight megawatts and make it a 10 megawatt site, have two megawatts go in the grid, have the other eight go to Bitcoin mining, and the additional incremental build is low cost because the infrastructure is already there. The site is there. All they have to do is add more panels. I mean, 
it should be mind blowing for every, you know, generator developer, etc., that they suddenly have this optionality. But to be fair, you know, it's only recently that, like, I would say, Bitcoin mining has become kind of like a professional enough industry that you would, you know, you, you could really work with them to develop projects and stuff. It's been a bit of a cottage industry, as we know, until I would say the last couple of years. But that transformation is happening, right? We have these miners, like publicly funded companies now in the States that, you know, you can you could do deals with, right? They're well capitalized, they're well financed. You could sign long-term agreements, strategic partnerships, etc., And that's what every energy company should be doing, right? They should be sitting down with these guys and saying, okay, we're the experts at delivering energy. You guys are the experts at buying it and making money with it. Let's, let's make this happen. That's, we're not there yet, but I think that's going to happen in the next three, four years. Okay, so then what do you think about this mining council uh, that, that has been formed here? Elon Musk or, and uh, who was the other one? Michael Saylor. Uh, they, they seem to be very worried about what everybody thinks about Bitcoin mining. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to think of it. You know, I mean, I think we, you know, we have had bad experiences with these types of initiatives in Bitcoin in the past, right? So I think Bitcoin has a, low tolerance for this kind of stuff and and that's a good thing right i think we should be skeptical at the same time i don't know what they can do right like disclosing your energy mix is it's nothing controversial it's pretty much something every corporate in america does today anyway and and there's no way to enforce it right so there's no way to kick a miner off the grid because their energy mix isn't right and that's a good thing so it, it looks like it's pretty much in my view like a pr exercise to show engagement to show the industry is trying to be responsible etc without any real teeth right um if they want to propose things that brings teeth then that's definitely a no-go but i think we saw statements from some of the miners saying they fully understand and respect that you know bitcoin's base protocol can't change and they're not trying to do anything like that so i'm still pretty positive on it i think It'll improve the conversation, um, but yeah, we should keep an eye on it and, and make sure you know they stick to what they've said so far. That's right. my that's my two cents. All right, now we're we're gonna go to uh, well, Alex. I haven't even tested to see if you're you're uh, if it's working on your end, but Alex, if you can hear me, uh, you can ask Nima questions. You can comment on his article or what he said. But I, a specific question is, what do you think about this mining council, Alex? Oh, I know you're there. We we see we see you. Okay, you might it might be your bad uh, hotel connection. I can get uh, it from here if you want to. Yeah, Jonathan, take yeah. it. Yeah, uh, thanks, Nima. This is a very interesting article. Uh, the uh, what's interesting? There's a very good article. It's been a few years uh, by Big Bitmex Research about the uh, the good explanation of the economic uh, mechanism behind proof of work. And uh, it's interesting to know that the, the origin of Bitcoin mining in China, in the northwestern part of China, is really tied to uh, a lot of coal plants were built in this area to, to power uh, aluminum smelting plant. And uh, in that time, in that period, uh, aluminum prices crash. So all the coal plants had excessive power. So uh, this is why pretty much all the Bitcoin miners installed in that area because uh, there's a good article by Dan Held 
who also make the comparison with uh, aluminum uh, production, which is one of the most energy intensive process. And uh, it's it's interesting because in the 50s or 60, 50s, 60s, there was exactly the same narrative as actually against Bitcoin mining with aluminum uh, production. Like the experts were saying like by 1970, the whole, like the aluminum production is going to take like all the energy in the world and we have to stop it. It's not, uh, it's, it's not sustainable. So it's been for, for many jurisdictions in the world, especially like here, Quebec, we've built like some major aluminum production plant. You have places where uh, you have stranded energy. I think Iceland is a major uh, aluminum uh, production plant. Uh, the Arabs Emirates. So everywhere where there is like stranded energy, a way to monetize this energy that they cannot export is is, is being used as uh, as to power aluminum production plant. Bitcoin mining is the exact same thing. So uh, as you said, uh, Nima, another interesting aspect is once you dig into like Bitcoin mining, this is, you have a pretty pretty good crash course on thermodynamics, physics. And uh, one thing that you learn is uh, this is why you get through all these ESG bullshit and renewables. And uh, you, you realize that the energy world is imperfect and they, you cannot just magically store energy in the battery. Like it's it's sometimes like uh, said by uh, by uh, by ecologists or stuff like that. And you cannot like transport energy from point A to point B magically. Uh, there's most of the time there's hundreds even like thousands of kilometers from the source to the destination and you have a major power energy loss between these points it's not the electricity is not uh, transmitted like data like you have a loss of of energy the longer the the transport is so there's a direct incentive and it was exactly the same thing with the uh, aluminum uh, production plant bitcoin mining as a direct incentive like you said to be installed near there these imperfect sources uh, a good example, you talk about solar, but a very good example to me is hydro. Like here in Quebec, we are one of the biggest hydro producers in the world. Uh, Hydro-Quebec is losing $1 billion per year in excessive hydro capacity that they cannot sell because they don't have enough clients. And they just like, they just throw the water. So the water goes through the dam. They don't turbine it. And uh, so they lose, that, they lose this money uh, effect, uh, effectively. So back in 2017, 18, there was a, a rush of, in, uh, of, uh, of demand from miners to say, look, we're going to invest in this. And this is like, a, this is Northern Quebec. This is not like a 200 kilometers from Montreal or from the major city. This is like way North. So you had like miners uh, proposing to invest. So there was a proposal up to 500 millions in, in communities that are directly tied to like natural resources. So nothing's going to be built, built there anymore. A anyway. So, and and this is exactly what you saw also in the in the New York State and a few states. There was there was there was, the, there was a, a big pushback from political authorities because you cannot have like uh, you cannot have like private enterprise arriving and announcing half a billion dollars project without like asking for subsidies or, or pictures with uh, politicians. And so it was way like out of the the left field. They were not ready to to let's say welcome that industry. But the producer initially was very very inclined to uh, to serve this industry because I mean they're 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 solving a pretty interesting problem. They have excessive energy. They just like burn it and they pay their, their bills at the end of the day. So uh, it's 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 amazing to see how like the political debate took over like the rational economic debate of producing energy. And to me, like this is one of the conclusion. And it's uh, it's I think it's going to get worse because 
on a larger scale, everything is getting more political. Look at like the look at the speech of the central bankers. And now, back in the days, they were just like maybe talking about inflation and stuff like that. Now they talk about equality, racism, uh, climate justice. Uh, so, so everything has become more politicized, and it's it's to me it's really really dangerous. This is why like industry with like Bitcoin mining is going to get installed in places where there there's really a demand, like small scale oil and gas production. Who are stranded? I, I really like companies like Upstream Data, Stephen Barber, who's like building rigs to help gas producer instead of actually also solving an environmental problem. Instead of flaring the gas, they just uh, generate electricity with it and they mine Bitcoin. They could export it, but we don't have any pipelines at some uh, part of the Western Canada. So uh, this is actually there's there's no downside. And if you're you're well intentioned and you do your research, you're gonna realize that. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see it uh, unfolds in the next uh, few years. Uh, so, do you? What do you think about the, uh, the this formation of a mining council that seems to be political? It seems to yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, like, like at the at the basic, I don't have any problem with like industry having some kind of like a coordination. I mean, people having like mutual interests. I mean, it's 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 common. It's uh, we have convention in Bitcoin as well. I mean, this is no big deal, but. The premise of like coordinating the miners with some kind of standards based on energy source, I mean, it's bullshit. At the end of the day, energy is joule. And I always use this hashtag talking about minings, hashtag make energy joules again, because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's just like produce, like when you produce energy, you're like burning joules. So uh, we really have to get back to the basics. And um, there is abundant energy everywhere. Like uh, there is, there's a direct incentive for renewables, like uh, Quebec is a good example, but like forcing, coercing uh, miners to steer, to to get, uh, to, to to orientate towards a renewable energy. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to, to push them. The mar the, on a market basis, they're going to try to find the, the, the lowest possible energy sources. All right. Alex, are you, uh, can you, can you speak? You, we, I, I saw you there. Uh, okay, cool. Can I, uh, Jonathan, can I uh, yeah. just respond to a couple of points, which I think are really interesting. Um, you know, the uh, reference to aluminum, you're, you're very right. That's absolutely what's happened um, in the past. And aluminum used to be the only way to effectively export energy across grids. Um, but Bitcoin mining has two big advantages. One is, and then like the problem is, first of all, that aluminum is, a, is not a modular project, right? So to do the aluminum smelting is a massive infrastructure project. It effectively requires two multinational corporations to kind of come together and build huge energy infrastructure. Bitcoin mining, you know, this is a concept that can go down to like, you know, the kilowatt scale, right? Like you, we can solve this problem for rooftop solar up to, you know, Northern Quebec hydro scale, pretty much similarly, right? It's totally um, scalable. So that's, that makes it like we can address way more of the problem. Whereas with aluminum, we could basically only address like the massive, the massive imbalances. Now we can take it down to a smaller scale. So that's really cool. And then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned the price collapse of aluminum. So the problem with like aluminum was, it's not a liquid market, right? It's not a liquid financial market like Bitcoin where you know you're gonna be able to sell the product in a, you know, in a very simple way very low risk like you're kind of committing yourself if you if you if you're going to work on a commodity like aluminum and that's the final product you're committing yourself to a very risky market because like 
you know, any type of decisions, technological advances could totally change the value of that product in the future. And that's what happened to China effectively, right? They made a bet on aluminum and for some reason unrelated to them, the price effectively went down. But Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin's price does go up and down, but, you know, as it becomes more and more liquid, you know, it's actually going to be a more liquid market than any grid in the world, right? It's going to be a bigger energy market in terms of value than any of the grids in the world. And it'll probably be the best market to sell into where you just know, I can get rid of this quickly, easily. I can get currency and whatever, whether I want to hold Bitcoin or dollars or whatever, I can sell it. And it doesn't have to transport to market. It doesn't have any of the problems of like a physical uh, commodity and, and production. So, you know, I, I see it as like aluminum massively improved, right? It's like the digital version of that. And I think it's going to solve even more problems for these energy producers in the long term. Uh, Nima, now I, we know you, you you can't stay long, so I just want to ask you a question. What do you think about all this ESG stuff that has infiltrated uh, corporate governance all over the world? <laughs> uh, yeah, good question. I mean, it's, yeah, in my personal view, I mean, it's the politicized, it, it just politicizes everything, right? Um, and it, from a business perspective, right? it makes it very difficult to make business decisions because it introduces a whole new framework to make decisions, right? Like it introduces massive complexity into all decision-making. You should be, you know, if you want to run a successful business, you, you should be making economic decisions and that will lead you to the best outcomes, right? Overall. Um, so I think business leaders to some extent are confusing themselves with all of this and, and getting themselves all wrapped up, right? So I, I don't know how sustainable it is, right? Because in the long run, is your business performance going to be better or worse if you're basically complicating your own decision-making with subjective factors? Um, I think it will sort itself out. I don't think there's any way out of it in the short term. I think it's become, you know, quite embraced. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things that we're almost going to have to grow out of it and potentially forget. But it could... I think it could be an important thing for businesses for, for a decade or so. Yeah, basically the way I sum it up, it makes no business sense, any of it. And I don't know what Kevin O'Leary, is he just uh, obsessed with it because he wants to fit in? Yeah. He wants cheap Bitcoin? What, what, what's what's his logic for getting well, into it? It, it makes sense, uh, uh, Adam, it makes sense for the, uh, for the marketer, for the sellers of fun, like the BlackRocks, the Invesco. I mean, they create a whole subset of, of, of industry with that, with the ESG funds. So it's and it's pretty interesting when you dig down a little bit, you you realize that it's not really different that uh, than different funds. There was like a there was a statement that ESG was performing better than the average market. And when you realize that ESG uh, components, uh, components of the funds are mostly like uh, tech companies. So there's like a strong bias towards high capitalized, high, high, uh, very big capitalized uh, capitalizations uh, company. Uh, so it's, uh, and, and look at to me, like uh, I'm a very big fan of oil and gas industry. I mean, commodities in general, my family came from the mining industry. So I'm, it's a market that I, as an investor, I've been following for a long time. And uh, look at what it, ESG and uh, the, all the companies, the, the pandering that they try to do with, uh, let's say, the, the ecologists and stuff like that. Look, look, look at how it's, it's, it's just like blowing back in their face. Like in the last few days, uh, ExxonMobil, one of the biggest oil companies in the world, was forced to give like two board seats to some kind of ecologist activist uh, uh, groups 
who basically advocate for ending their, their fossil fuel businesses. So it doesn't make any sense at all to pander to these groups. They're not going to, it's just like advocating for the end of like energy industry as we, as we know it. So, uh, um, there's definitely like there's an organic advantages to to like advocate for good governance and there's already like a mechanism in place like the best companies in the world are not run by idiots like it's a pretty uh pretty uh, pretty substantial pretty substantial fact so there is organic mechanism to sort out who are the best uh administrator in general notwithstanding what is their sex orientation or uh or uh whatever the the the, the background they have all right, uh, Alex, can you hear us? Yes. All right, can. dude. I, I I wanted you to rip rip into all this that we've been we've been talking about. I, I know some of it had to tempt you from mining to ESG. What is what's your and, and Nima's article? Do you have any any anything? Because people love when you rip into stuff and you haven't spoken yet. So go ahead. Look, I think um, I really echo what both the guys have said, obviously, but especially what Jonathan said at the end there is like, if we bend the knee to these idiots, like imagine hiring someone to come into your business who is against your business. Like I'd, I'd strangle them. I, I, I would, I'd probably kill them. Um, I'd hire them just so I could beat them up or something. <laughs> um, so like, I, I just, it, it, it's the most insane thing. Like, how like what what i think people don't understand is that the the greatest damage we can do to the environment is to waste uh energy time and resources like when you waste it you you're destroying it you're burning it for no for nobody's benefit and when you add complexity to any process when you add meaningless bureaucracy into any process you actually increase the waste. So these idiots under a banner of let's save the environment are literally destroying the environment, destroying the resources, destroying the energy, destroying people's patience, their time, their energy, their effort. Like it is the most backwards thing on the face of the planet. And, you know, like I, I was in a telegram group just saying like, I hope these eco-terrorists are the last ones ever to buy Bitcoin. Um, so that they can live in their own slums. Um, and I, I will not let them in my city. I will not let them in my city. Seriously. I'll let them sit outside. I'll let them starve. And we'll probably fly over them with helicopters and drop bags of manure on them. Like, just for fun. <laughs> Pound that like button. This is what I was expecting from Alex. All right. I don't, Nima, you've got to get out of here real soon. Do you have any conclusionary thoughts about your article? Anything you want to just... Tell the world that that hasn't you haven't shared yet. Uh, but before you go, he's linked to below. Please read the article, everyone. Um, it was very easy. It's easy to understand. Anyone can get it. I think my closing statement would be that one of the best things Bitcoin is going to do is break one of the strongest monopolies that still exists today, and that's the energy grids. They are geographical monopolies. We are all captive to them, literally. If you use, if you have lights in your house, you know you're captive to your local grid monopoly. And if you're a generator, you're just as captive, right? So these are private enterprises that are trying to succeed, and they're captive to a monopoly. Um, I'm not saying the grids are useless; they're a great utility. We all use them every day, blah blah blah. But 
the competition that Bitcoin introduces is going to transform the energy industry. It's going to force the grids to the, for the first time ever to think about, hey, I have to compete with someone. How do I get more attractive than that? And that's going to that itself is just going to create so much more innovation and opportunity in the energy industry than we've seen before. Um, so it's just a massive boon. It's like a second order effect of Bitcoin. It's just going to be opening up and a blossoming of the energy industry. Um, and as energy is one of the base, you know, things that all human progress is based on, it's going to be incredible, right? Um, and, you know, the other thing I will say is read Alex Gladstein's article that he wrote this week about Bitcoin and is a humanitarian and environmental um, benefit because there's a part in there about, um, you know, like projects in remote areas like in Africa and stuff, right, where they have they want to build power, like they want to build renewable resources or, or whatever, but there's no grid to take the power at all. So like communities just stay unelectrified, right? You need an economic load that's flexible effectively to take the power off the site to, to build it. And that's going to be, that is going to be huge, right? Because suddenly you don't need grids in these places. You can have microgrids effectively, right? Small regional microgrids with Bitcoin mining as the backbone. It's going to be incredible. It's going to take about 20 to 30 years because the energy industry is quite slow. But, I mean, this has started now, right? Like people are starting to think of this in the energy industry. So I think what happened in Quebec a couple of years ago was probably five years too early. And they got, you know, they basically freaked out, like you said. But I think in the next five years, we're going to start to see this happen at scale. So thanks for having me on, Adam. Thanks. Yes. And thank you for making uh, Energy FUD interesting again, man. Seriously, I was, I, I, it was killing me. You just, you put a great spin on it. I'm a positive guy. You're a real, you put just a great positive spin on all this. So thanks for getting, for, for coming back on the show. I know it was brief and everything, but that it's a great article. Everybody check it out. All, all right. right. Gotta go, man. Thanks See for having ya. me. Bye all guys. Right. Now we're going to go to our other two guests who have, uh, I mean, we, we had to focus on that, but I want to get Bitcoin clot. What you've been silent. It's time for your debut on the show. What do you have to say about what we've been talking about here? Yeah, I'll comment on Kevin O'Leary and the ESG stuff. This notion that we should care about appeasing institutions and their arbitrary criteria is just nonsense. It's uh, kind of akin to traditional finance and, and scammy altcoiners. Um, the fact is we don't need the suits. We don't care about their governance, their ethics, their investment committees. Uh, Bitcoin is inevitable. Um, and and the bottom line is they need Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't need them. So, um, you know, this whole this ESG FUD, even if it is delaying institutions from from adopting Bitcoin, like Kevin asserts, uh, that's a good thing because it gives the plebs more time to stack and, and front run these institutions. Yeah. Um, and it's very questionable that assertion on his part. I I, uh, I need proof uh, because there's plenty of there's plenty of institutions that have already bought it and stuff. I mean, maybe that's what his plan is to scare them away. And who knows what his maybe for him to get more. Maybe he'll fork off an ESG Bitcoin. Be my guest. Do that. So they, they just leave us leave this ESG nonsense and make their own ESG coin. What what do you think, Clot, about the uh, the mining uh, council though? You know, I agree with Nima. I don't. I don't think it's as nefarious as it's being made out to be. But I do understand the concerns. Um, I think it'd be easier to digest if it wasn't, you know, with these miners that are pushing this OFAC compliance, um, or if it wasn't, you know, the sole reason trying to appease Musk. Um, you know, I mentioned on Twitter not too long ago that uh, 
my first tre uh, true test of, of conviction was during that before quarters of 2017. And there's a lot of similarities with the uh, New York agreement. So that I think it's good to you know be aware and, and concerned, but you know I still see Sailor as a, a, a net positive um, and, and an ambassador uh, for Bitcoin. So I think it needs to be careful, but um, I don't I don't I see it as a non-starter. Yeah, I, I again I think it is a it's a marketing type of thing. I don't think it's it should be scary. I know it reminds people a little bit of 2017, and I just want to read a quote real quick from Nick Carter. Uh, he says, billionaires commandeer Bitcoin consensus with shadowy centralized closed door cabal sounds a lot scarier than miners accounting for 10% of the hash rate agreed to disclose basic information that many of them were already disclosing anyway. So, yeah, that, that second part is what's really going on. But the people, the clickbait people were, bait, you know, scare, billionaires commandeer Bitcoin consensus with shadowy centralized closed door cabal everybody always likes to make everything into a cabal and scary and closed doors when it's not it's uh so i i agree a lot of people are blowing it out of proportion um but i i do think that there's part of the reason that they're even they're doing this though is is marketing just to fit in to calm people down i really don't think they need to do it but but whatever okay marty's out your turn for your debut We've put a lot on the table uh, these this last last half hour. What do you have to say about it all? Yeah, I guess for the the mining council part, I, I'm probably a little bit more more worried about it than most people here. I guess um, you know I think Sailor's net positive. I think he's you know a billionaire pleb that works for us. But at the same time, I just don't want this to become a a bigger thing than it is. I don't mind transparency with um, energy mixes, but you know, if it if this mining council decides to you know become a huge, you know, it could be a lobbying group for you know U.S. Congress and enact certain laws that are absolutely dumb, and maybe they'll do more OFAC compliant blocks because you have Marathon within this group. So I, I am worried a little bit there with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it just it seems like we're we're kissing up to Elon and just begging him to get into the space when I don't think we really need him because. With Bitcoin, we're no single person's bigger than Bitcoin, right? That, that's why we're in it. It's all decentralized. So it, it just seems um, a little odd, a little weird. So my natural gut instinct is always think adversarially. So I'm a little cautious and you know pessimistic when it comes to this council. Hopefully, it it doesn't come to you know extraordinary stuff that we don't want to see, but. Um, I'm a little concerned, a little worried, but I'm hoping I'm, I'm blowing this out of proportion, like, uh, you know, from the start. So we'll see, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit worried about it all. All right. That, that's, a, that's an honest opinion there. And people have pedestaled Elon. I don't know if we're going to talk about Elon because it's just more uh, pedestaling of him. I want to remind everyone there is a site called endthefud.org. Endthefud.org, the best links to articles debunking Bitcoin FUD. Uh, that that pertains to uh, what we've been talking about here. We have, we've talked a lot about a bit about Bitcoin FUD here. I want to uh, read a speaking about putting uh, entities on pedestals, though. Uh, I want to read a, a quote about China real quick. Uh, where did that go? We we had the. Uh, uh, I, oh, there it is. If China, this is from Matt O'Dell. If China actually bans Bitcoin mining, it will be really effing obvious. 
largest difficulty adjustment ever kind of obvious. Anything short of that is fake news. Uh, that goes back to last week, but I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to put that out there. Uh, all right, uh, but before we move on from any of the topics that were discussed, does anyone have anything to add of the ESG, the Mining Council, the, what Nima was saying, or even China FUD? Any, anybody, anybody got anything to add to that? Uh, all right, so let me, go, let me go to Alex here. Alex, you, you've come out with a new article, uh, Chaos and Order, Bitcoin Chaos and Order. You sound like Jordan Peterson. What's, what, what was up with your article? Give us a summary and, and uh, get everybody interested. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a philosophical um, dive into Bitcoin. So, so I kind of like each week I'm like bipolar. One week I'll write a scathing article on why, you know, everyone's an idiot and, um, and you know, Bitcoin sort of destroys the sludge. Um, so, so the prior was obviously that fiat um, communism, fascism versus sovereignty. So, and and that's going to be the topic of my um, of my talk at uh, Miami. But this one, this one's more of a philosophical dive. So, so kind of it's it's essay number two of a twelve part series, and the twelve part series, I'm taking. Uh, lessons within each chapter of uh, Peterson's book, uh, The 12 Rules for Life. And I'm writing about uh, how Bitcoin not, not only sort of enables elements of the lessons and the principles and the ideas he discusses, um, but it magnifies them. So in his, uh, in his second uh, lesson, I think it's called uh, Treat Yourself Like Someone You're Responsible for Taking Care Of. Um, in there, he discusses a little bit about chaos and order. He discusses about, um, you know, the, the, the difference between the study of matter um, and what matters. So, you know, the study of matter is sort of like the empirical study of, you know, things and stuff, right? While the study of what matters is things like philosophy or economics and stuff like that. And, and, and I make a point in my article near the beginning is Renaissance was a time where, you know, we we saw the emergence of the structured study of matter like we saw the rise of the scientific method um at least in a documented form like the scientific method's been with us since the beginning of time like i make a point in there that since we first threw a stick at an animal and realized that we could get food um you know we started to refine our processes uh, but it was always guided by the pursuit of what matters which is i need to eat i need to survive um, and sort of the Renaissance kind of allowed both to flourish, but over the last, particularly the last, you know, hundred years or the last 50 years, we've, we've discarded the study of what matters and we've attempted to apply the empirical version, like the study of matter across everything. And we've tried to deconstruct anything that has like meaning or anything that involves the study of trade-offs or the study of ideas or the study of philosophy, like, you know, starting with these idiots like Derrida and everything like we've we've made everything meaningless, empty, and, you know, pointless. Like we, we've even tried to distill economics into these like little equations where, you know, the, the equations make, you know, a hundred different assumptions so that what they represent doesn't actually represent reality anymore, but it doesn't matter. Let's just run the world based on this equation because it fits my, you know, uh, empirical uh, viewpoints. So, I talk about how Bitcoin is Renaissance 2.0 and it allows the study of what matters to come in again 
because Bitcoin sort of ties uh, ties the study of what matters, like ties trade-offs to the real world, um, you know, through thermodynamics, through real incentives, through not being able to cheat the game, you know, so that we've all got skin in the game. So anyway, it's 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 a philosophical expose. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's one of my deeper pieces. And yeah, if anyone feels like reading into the deeper nuances of how you know Bitcoin changes individuals, um, and therefore, you know, has a has a further effect or you know second, third, fourth order effects on humanity, then go for it. Have a read. All right. Uh, good summary there. Deep philosophical stuff. You, you're getting it all here today. Pound that like button. He's linked to below. The freaking article is linked to below. Uh, uh, other guests, uh, I, I don't know if you guys read it, but do you have anything to say about what, what Alex just put out there? Yeah, just, it, a, just an observation. To me, like it's getting pretty obvious since, let's say, the three, four years that I will say like conservatism in general, and I will include in that uh, uh, minarchist, like anarchist, uh, libertarian, like this, this, this culture is increasingly becoming the cool counterculture as because, as because like when you see pretty much all the progressive, like right now, it's all, they are leaning towards like the authoritarian, like uh, uh, far left uh, ideology. So when you see it's, it's pretty amazing when you see like, Corporate media, Antifa, uh, center to left politicians, and let's say like the marketing, the, the department of Goldman Sachs, they pretty much shared the same talking points. So that's it's amazing. This the the uh, they think of themselves like at the, the the forefront of some kind of ideological revolution, but they all share the same uh, effing points. And to me, that's pretty obvious. So if you see like on campus, the, the revolution now is to be like in some kind of conservative groups or even like see, a, I don't even like reject the idea of some kind of return to religions. Uh, so like it's it's well it's well explained by uh, Dr. Peterson. Actually, people need that, uh, that uh, let's say, a philosophical and uh, and uh, connection with, uh, with the world. So. So to me, it's, it's clear that Bitcoin is going to insert itself into this this counterculture that's increasingly becoming the place to uh, to to make difference in society. And and what's interesting, and we increasingly seeing people from the moderate left uh, joining this like conservative uh, uh, revolution. I see like uh, we were talking about energy earlier. People like Mike Schellenberger is a guy who's advocating for uh, nuclear energy. He was is a is a Democrat? Is a left wing guy. And he's amazed by the fact that so-called so uh, ecologists are against nuclear power. So, like the the, the whole edifice of uh, of uh, ide ideological construct of the far left is kind of it's kind of crumbling under its own its own weight. And uh, we're gonna just gotta pick up from there and uh, like uh, building an alliance and building uh, uh, building bridges. Uh, to me, like Bitcoin's only gonna gain from that ideological uh, revolution. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. You heard it here yeah. first for years and years, and now it, it's definitely playing out. Uh, collectivist culture is the mainstream. Everybody having the same talking points. Uh, oh God, the you know, blind hate for nuclear energy, unbelievable. There is no thought anymore. Uh, that some people don't want there to be truth anymore. Bitcoin is the security truth machine. Pound that like button. All right, Marty's Al, do you have uh, anything to add to this conversation?
Marty's out. Sorry, it was on mute. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, as we trend, as we go down the Bitcoin, um, as Bitcoin becomes more and more bigger, I think it'll just make people more libertarian or conservative as it is anyways, right? So I, I think we're in this weird kind of fiat world where everybody's crazy, nobody's thinking for themselves, everybody's, you know, wacko and just listening to mainstream media. I think as we go down further, it's going to get a little bit better in this Bitcoin world. So I, I think that's my hope, um, just to make it a little bit better world. People will think for themselves a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, eventually we'll re- regress towards more to the right, libertarian, um, rather than this weird kind of leftist authoritarian world as we are living it right now. Authoritarianism, that's been the theme of the last year, uh, to say the least. Uh, Bitcoin Clot, any uh, any thoughts? No, not uh, to Alex's article. I hear thermodynamics and my eyes gloss over, but you're making me bullish. I just bought some stats. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I might I might just quickly add something off the back of Marty, uh, Marty Zell's thing, um, is that I think my guess, I was speaking to Mark Moss about this actually the other day, you know, I was asking him, you know, what do you think the next 10 years or the next 20 years looks like? And, you know, we're sort of like throwing ideas around and like my, my, my guess is that, you know, in, in a world that's increasingly becoming, uh, you know, authoritarian and centralized, you know, in, in its attempt to stay relevant, like it's just, it's just so you can just see the desperation on these maniacs like they they're just they're desperately trying to grip and squeeze onto you know whatever pathetic you know relevance they have and they're trying to make themselves more relevant by you know uh, overblowing and you know hysterializing every single minor problem so that hey look at me over here I'm still relevant you need me um, and, and in the process of doing that you know they they're, they're basically tearing apart like the fabric of humanity. And, and what, what I think we're going to have is sort of these pockets of sanity popping up around the world. Like this is a pocket of sanity, you know, Miami 2021 is going to be a pocket of sanity. Like there's pockets of sanity all over the place. And, and as we sort of rise up, you know, we're, we're, you know, going to be in stark contrast to this edifice that is sort of like eating itself, like this parasite that's kind of eating itself. And, so, so my guess is that the next probably five years are going to be quite messy. I think there's going to be a lot of mess. There's going to be worse restrictions. There's going to be worse stupidity. There's going to be more hysteria. There's going to be all of that crap. But simultaneously, there's going to be, you know, more pockets of hope popping up. And at some point, like, you know, you, the, the, the trend has to um, move uh, in, in the other direction. So, so what, what I keep telling everyone, because I always get messages from people on Telegram or Twitter saying, you know, thank you for your pieces, you know, you're keeping me sane, but I'm surrounded by idiots. Like I got one from a lady the other day saying, you know, how her husband, she's like, look, I've, you know, gone down the um, rabbit hole now, you know, listening to your podcast. And she goes, my husband is still walking around wearing a mask, hoping to get vaccinated. She goes, I want to divorce him. And I was like, get rid of the fucking. Yeah. So I was like, you know, like the the thing is, you know, people, people are looking for hope and, um, and I think what, what the, the point that I gave her at the end was like, we just need to outlast the sludge. Yeah. 
We need to outlast the sludge because they're going to bury themselves under their own stupidity. Um, and if and you know, um, there's going to be casualties along the way, but we we just need to like do everything we can to keep our little pockets of hope strong. And so long as we come out the other end, we're going to be the ones calling the shots, not these monkeys. So that's you know. Yeah, a great a great quote by uh, Michael Malice, a great anarchist. I'm following on uh, on Twitter. Follow him is very very entertaining. Uh, you said like uh, they want you dead, but there's they'll settle for your obedience, and that's pretty much it. They want you dead. They don't want to debate with you. They just they want you dead. This is like uh, this is what they want. So it's uh, and people I think underestimate how crazy it's becoming in the corporate world. Like uh, I mean, in the Bitcoin industry, it's pretty much uh, detached from this reality. But uh, I'm still pretty much uh, in the corporate uh, in the corporate world in my day to day business, but. It's pretty much like uh, college right now, like this this hysteria of not only ESG but identity politics is is grasping the corporate world by with both hands. It's 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 really frightening, uh, to be honest. Uh, some people have tried to bring identity politics into Bitcoin. Uh, we need more uh, X Y Z gender people doing that. I mean, but they're free to do that because Bitcoin doesn't care and. Uh, uh, that that's not a major fud point, but you keep seeing those. I mean, they're headline grabbing articles. We need more women. It's clickbait stuff. Uh, and by the way, thanks for bringing up Michael Malice. He is a Bitcoin fan. He is. I, yeah. I've heard him. I've heard him talk about it uh, quite a few times. So uh, uh, good for him. And yeah, pockets of sanity, which I, I like that term, Alex. Yeah, there is. There's a world filled with hysteria, and we're going to actually talk about. If any, no one else has anything to add to that, uh, because there is a big hysterical thing about to happen. Biden to unveil six trillion budget proposal, six tr trillion dollar budget proposal for the United States. That is uh, insanity. Okay, so <laughs> right, right there, and we're going to talk about it. But it, anyone have anything to add to, to what we were just talking about there? Um, all right, so I, I will. Uh, who, who hasn't uh, clocked? What do you what do you think about this uh, six trillion dollar proposed budget? What's it mean for Bitcoin? Uh, money printer go burr. It's like Bitcoin marketing. I mean, it's just number gonna, number going to go up. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. They're they're digging their own graves. Yeah, it's uh, it's it seems to be a, a trend that won't end the printing of the money. Uh, it's it is just a budget proposal. I don't know if they're going to approve this or not. I mean, it, we've we've gotten to the point of. Uh, it seems like it's fake, You're like $6 trillion budget, my lord. I mean, we, we keep on having all these stimulus. I mean, why do we even need a stimulus now? The whole thing's over with, the, the, the virus. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is crazy uh, what's, what's going on uh, with the guy. And how people can still deny that, it's, that, that we're gonna have inflation. I mean, the marketing that's going behind, that's on, the, the media is in lockstep with the government, it seems like, that you know, inflation will be a good thing. I predicted it a while ago. Happyflation. Happyflation is what it is. I remember when uh, the billions was a, was a large number. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, that, that, that's a thing of the past, dude. Uh, yeah, billions is just, uh, that's normal. I mean, every, every special interest needs their, uh, their billions from the government now. But since, since billions are the plebs now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, M Marty's out. I, I want to give you time to speak. If you want to rip into the uh, Biden administration or the money printing or the inflation, uh, that, 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 that the normies just don't seem to know about this stuff. It's, uh, I mean, they, they, they know about uh, every gender on earth that can be imagined. 
uh, but they, they don't they don't seem to get inflation. Yeah, I was gonna say like the great financial crisis. We're dealing with billions of dollars, and now you know now it's going up to trillions of dollars. Now, six, even last year, it was whatever we did was like one or two trillion, like nothing nothing crazy. Um, but now it's it's six trillion. So we're just exponentially growing um, our our fiscal you know debt here and spending. So um, I, I mean, like I feel like people are gonna have a rude awakening soon because. And I, I feel like some of them get it. Uh, lumber's going up. Um, everything else is seemingly going up. And it, it like it just doesn't, it wouldn't make sense to the normal person. You have literally no growth in the past year as far as GDP goes. And then all of a sudden, everything goes up exponentially. Like your house went up like 30%. Um, your assets went up, you know, like 50%, whatever it was last year. So it's like, Come on, it has to make sense to the normies at this point because it's just getting ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, it's just more advertisement to Bitcoin um, as we move along because it's it's just people are going to say, "Wow, these are like more shrewd bucks." Like they're going to be like Dave Borton, right? Like, what was this matter? Like, what is this? This is like nothing. And you know, people value something that's finite and fixed supply and that doesn't debase. So I'm hoping this could be some sort of lesson, but I mean, we're dealing with normie, so who knows? I, I kind of doubt it, but I mean, it's just more advertisement for us, if anything. All right. Uh, now it is more advertising for Bitcoin and it's, it, it's really happening. This money printing that everyone's been predicting for years and years to an extreme. So are we still, uh, but yet we have people saying that the bull market is over. Uh, I'm going to stick with you here, uh, Marty Zhao. Uh, what is your take on uh, bull market? It's is over. It what? <laughs> <laughs> we, we we just started it. We got we got a long ways to go. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of predicting like even maybe an elongated cycle here for the bull market. Mm. I, I'm, um, just maybe you know it goes to maybe even next year. I think. In the past, it goes, you know, it probably ended in like this fall, but I yeah. think with everything going on, we're just kind of stabilizing here in this little price range right now in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, you know, I think it can maybe get a little bit elongated, maybe go through like first quarter of next year or so. So it's not all cycles are the same, but they do rhyme. But I think this is going to be slightly different than the first two bull runs. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't expect it to be you know, anything like the first or second one. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it'll be different. It'll, it'll surprise people. I think it'll, it'll surprise people see the upside as well. So I'm expecting more fireworks this year, even though we're still dealing with Doge morons and, and ETH retards as well. So, uh, uh, you, um, I, I give you credit. You're the first one that's given me the elongated uh Thesis. I either get dudes that say, yeah, it's going to end in October, like it, it, it'll, it's, I mean, it, it'll end during the fall, October, just, just similar to the, 2017, which ended in December, or there's some people that says it's, it's never going to end this time. So you gave, give a, you gave a different opinion there. Sorry to interrupt you. Did I, uh, you have something else to say there? I'm sorry about that. No, you're, you're good. And like, I don't know whether we'll, we'll keep jumping into these four-year cycles. Um, I, I don't think we'll escape you know, do escape velocity as some people predict and super cycle. I, I don't know. It just seems like there's too much dumb money in the space that don't get it. I, I actually think we, 
we basically need a dollar collapse and like Weimar just, you know, capitulation to get to that point of a Bitcoin just absolutely running. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I think it's still an interesting 12 months or so to go from here. Um, so I, I think it'll be a fun year. All right. It's it's always fun in Bitcoin. Pound that like button, people. If you got questions, we got answers. Type in Bitcoin Meister through a super chat. We'll answer your questions. I forgot to say that. Clot, I, I, I didn't. When we were just talking about the inflation, I didn't ask you about uh, uh, your take on the uh, bull run, uh, on on the FUD that it's over. Not a chance. Uh, I mean, I'm a permable. I, I, you can give me a bearish take, and I, I would take it. Uh, we're going to keep going up. Every every indicator shows it. Uh, On-chain analytics, shout out Stacks. Um, I, I just, everything I'm seeing, there's just no chance that it's, it's over. All right. Uh, I, I want to read, uh, what's this? This is a March 29th tweet come true. Uh, this is from um, Mandrick, who will eventually be on this show. Uh, I can't wait, not today, but another. I can't wait for 40 to 50,000 to be, this is from, by the way, from March 29th. I can't wait for 40 to 50,000 to be considered blood on the streets. It'll be effing hilarious watching people and institutions bail on Bitcoin. Well, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. We, uh, we've gone down to 30, 40s, and my lord, it's it's considered blood on the streets, and we've got everybody and their mother talking about how they're uh, bailing on Bitcoin. So that was very predictable. Uh, what else is predictable is when all these people FOMO back into it. I mean, it, it's we've seen this happen so many times. It's similar uh, to like, was it like fall, uh, fall 2007, 2018 when it crashed back to something like four, uh, five, 4,000 and people three. were expecting like 2,800s and now it's, and same thing at 10,000, all people always expected like uh, eight, 7,000. And now it's the same. Like they expect like a, a retrace to uh, low twenties. So it's always the same. Like uh, then it's going to take like 10, 15, 20% and uh, oh fuck, I should have bought. So it's uh it's always the same at different price level. The difference with this cycle, I think, is uh, a concept that was introduced to me by uh, Francis Pouillard is the, the mental order book of Bitcoin. Like I say, like everybody has like a, a mental order book with different price price point is the mental order book is just getting bigger now. I mean, uh, and you have different like entry points. There is there's well, there's an ETF in Canada. There's many ETF in Canada. There's many ways to buy Bitcoin. So the the, the, the potential entry points uh, multiplied by the size of the order books, the mental order books of Bitcoin is, is to me, there's a, there's a huge backstop uh, to a, a complete collapse like the, uh, the previous cycle. That is, uh, that's, that's, that's the new feature in this, uh, in this cycle to me. I don't think we're, I, I still think we're in a bull market. It's going to continue uh, in the foreseeable future. And uh, for different asset as well, I think a goal is going to go up as well. I mean, it didn't, like, it's not, ref it's not reflecting the, to me, the, the the fear that people have for future inflation, and it's uh, we're going to see like some some, some act, asset class uh, really go up in the next uh, a few months and few years. It's going to be uh, impressive. Now, I, I want to go back to inflation before we get back to, to Alex because I want his take on inflation. But I do want to remind everyone in the seventies in the United States when there was uh, uh, inflation, and everybody everybody knew it, and but there were so many fewer distractions back then there were only three tv stations that was how you got your mindless uh nonsense back in the day you turned on abc cbs or nbc 
And so they couldn't, you couldn't run away from inflation. It was, it was there. Now, my Lord, the amount of distraction, we have the internet, there's a million TV stations. I mean, they can just be comfortably numb and they can buy into these narratives that it's, it's happy inflation. Uh, there, there's so many more distractions. So I, you know, people do say, you know, people are going to wake up and buy Bitcoin. The normies will buy Bitcoin because it'll be too painful. I don't, I, I think they got a lot of heroin out there now, much more so than they did in the seventies and they will not notice it. And they will, they will can be convinced that it's a good thing. Everyone's been dumbed down and there's so many, uh, more distractions. So I, I wanted to throw that on the table, but Alex, you're, your take on uh, inflation, bull market, everything we've been uh, thrown out there. Yeah, I, I I think the the one rule that always holds true with Bitcoin is you know it's always going to be maximum pain for for people who um who want to come and just make money um, and get rich quick and all of that and you know I I was debating with Bitcoin Tina about this on a clubhouse. He's like, no, nah, we're never going to have another drawdown more than 30 percent again. I was like, man you're on crack like there is we are 100 percent still in that phase um as so, like so long as we see um you know altcoins you know i can't say the other word here but you know so long as we see those things still existing and people still putting money in them you know what what you have is literally dumb money and dumb money is j j just gets scared like that they, they, they have no idea why they're buying bitcoin they have no idea why they're buying any of these other things they have no idea why they're buying anything they have no idea what the meaning of their own lives are like you know and we think they, they know why they're buying you know some sort of investment product like uh, i did a tweet a little while ago so while i was in um in costa rica with francis um you know, I bumped into some, you know, Americans there and, you know, we, I went and had dinner with them and they were sort of talking about their stupid portfolios on, um, on Robin Hood and their stupid portfolios on Conbase. And they're like, yeah, and I'm asking, I'm like, so, so why'd you buy this coin? And they're like, I don't know, man, going to go up. I was like, what, what is wrong with you? You idiot. Like, so, so like the, the thing is what that tells me is that you know we'll probably need to go sideways for a little while i think we'll go sideways you know a little up down and around in circles until the idiots get bored of bitcoin the idiots who came to get rich quick piss off like you know the the ones who the like because they're only here to make a quick buck and when the the quick buck doesn't eventuate where, where they have to actually do some thinking but the fact is they lack the capacity to think because they don't have brains. They're just zombies. Um, you know, when they piss off, that's when we can start moving uh, back upwards again. And I relish in that. I want to see them poor. I want to see them have nothing. Like I really, really, really want to see them broke, destitute and starving because they deserve it. Like honestly, from the bottom of my heart, it makes me happy to see them suffering. So, you know, when, when, when they're cleaned out, Bitcoin will continue. And, and, and I think we've probably got a couple months of sideways action for that. Like, you know, we'll probably have some fake breakouts. We'll have some fake dumps. You know, the, these guys will get stressed out. The good thing is maybe five or 10% of them are going to become actual Bitcoin hodlers. And that's, that's good because that's what these cycles are all about. It's about washing the scum 
and leaving, you know, the, the sort of the critical mass of good people. And, you know, they're the people I welcome in, you know, the rest of them can go, uh, you know, can go and suffer. And you, you, I, that, that's my feeling. You've got a very good point about the conversion rate of uh, impulsive people to holders. It's about 5%, but that's still yeah. good. If that keeps happening year after year after year, that's, that's a lot of new people. That, that, that's, that's, that's different because I, I believe in the 80%, 20% thing. The 80 percenters, they're so impulsive. 20% of the people out there, you know, produce 80% of everything. Uh, that, that's who Bitcoin is really for. Uh, to try, try to try to become a 20 percenter. It's, it's not uh, uh, anyone can become one. And I got to say, I love Bitcoin Tina, but you're right. I mean, we can't live in this fantasy world where there's never going to be another down period. There is going to be another down period. It's just... We, it, for for every reason that you put out there, there all these people they have no logic or reason, and they don't even know markets, why they're markets are represented by human beings. And the thing is, like we, we've just literally been talking about how you know we're drowning in sheeple, like you know we're we're drowning in people who are sitting there praying. Like there was this idiot on Twitter just then that I just blocked um, about half an hour ago saying, "Oh, Bitcoin won't protect you from taxes, but the U.S. dollar will." I was like. What a moron. So like, you know, the, 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 these are the people that are begging for slavery. So they're, they're the ones who like we're drowning in them. And, and they're the ones who are sort of peripherally, peripherally, sorry, touching uh, Bitcoin and all the, you know, garbage alts and all the other crap around it. And they're the people with no conviction, like to, to hold Bitcoin, you need to have a brain. To hold Bitcoin, you need to have conviction. You need to have meaning. You need to be able to sit with this thing. You need to be able to dig deeper and learn and do all that sort of stuff. And like you said, the majority of people, that does not, that does not define the majority of people. So, so long as that subset of you know, society exists, we're going to have waves and it's going to keep washing, cleaning and you know, leaving us with a denser and denser um, chunk of Bitcoiners who understand it. So, so that's why, like, you know, the the governments are going to print. We're going to get inflation. They're going to keep pumping heroin. They're going to keep pumping hysteria. They're going to keep trying to keep themselves relevant. You know, Bitcoin's going to grow in cycles. It's gonna it's gonna produce maximum pain for those who don't understand it. Um, you know, those who do, we're going to hang on. You know, the entire time because that's what we do. We know why we're here. We're not buying. Bitcoin so that we can make more dollars, we are exiting the system and we are all trying to accumulate more Bitcoin than we had yesterday. Like that's that's the ultimate measure is do you have more Bitcoin today than you did yesterday? If you did, you're moving in the right direction. If not, you're moving in the wrong direction. And and that's the game there. And, and you know, we, we're going to keep acquiring those people, but it's not going to happen like some overnight fantasy that you know bitcoin tina has that somehow the corporations are going to come in and it's you know it's going to go to a billion dollars it ain't going to happen like that you bring up a lot of my uh my words there conviction value your wealth in bitcoin you, you, this is great stuff there uh guys uh do you alex put a lot on the tables anything uh, have anything anybody has anything to add to what alex put there yeah i think you know the, like whenever bitcoin pumped i guess like two days ago whatever Alts pumps a lot more. So I'm like, okay, we're not ready to go up yet. Let's, I want more pain. Like I want these 
don't think Quinn drops. Everybody else drops a lot more because we're we're just not ready yet for that next league up. There's just too much, too many idiots in the space right now who expect their altcoin to just pump forever. Um, so I wouldn't mind a little bit more pain here. Go, let's go 20, 25. Bring it on. I want pain. Bring on that pain because this is the the altcoiners really pissed me off. And like just talking about Doge in 2021 is. It, it destroys my brain. I, I can't think. Like, I don't know what to do anymore because this is the dumbest arguments and dumbest takes to even think about. I thought, this is not 2015. Like, what, <laughs> what's, go, what's going on here? This, I, I, it's, it drives me crazy. So I wouldn't mind a little bit more pain. And that's, it kind of goes to my elongated cycle too. So I think we'll, we'll just hang around here for a little bit and maybe pump again a little bit later down the road, but it, it's just a little too frothy right now with the newcomers coming in. They just don't understand what's going on. So I wouldn't mind a little bit more, a little bit more downtrend in this. I, I, I'll add, I, I, I'm a positive guy. So uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of, it, uh, of, of more, uh, more pain. I under, I understand that people have to learn a lesson, uh, but I, 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 I enjoy it when it goes up. And uh you know, this has been, I've gotten so many weird uh, DMs and stuff from people panicking and just people who think they're experts all of a sudden because of this downtrend. I don't want to hear from it anymore. I don't, I don't want to hear people asking me, is it going to zero? I, I thought that was 2015 also. You, you say Dogecoin, so 2015. Uh, going to zero fun is 2015. And it's just, it comes back. All these people, <laughs> that, that, that's one of the things about Bitcoin. Uh there's always going to be tourists that are, that are coming in, always going to be newbies that say what you heard back in 2015. And if, if you put yourself out there, you have to deal with it. And Alex gets frustrated with it. He blocks people. I, I mean, I get a little uh, obviously bothered by it too. So that's why I'm like, just let it go up again. So I don't get these annoying, uh, these annoying things. I, I mean, I, I fully understand. I have this strong, one of the strongest hands out there is that people know I, I, I'm the very definition of conviction. So I, I, I mean, 2024 having, 2028 having, I, I know the people that are watching this in the future are laughing their butts off at us and how low, low the price is. Um, all right. Let's, uh, any, but any, any, any of you other guys have anything to add to what Alex said? There. Everything has been said. Everything has been said. All right. So, uh, uh, real quick, we're going to talk about Miami, and we're going to talk about Clubhouse. Uh, Clot, are you going to be in Miami? Or what do you think about the uh, the upcoming conference? It is getting it is getting coverage on the freaking Drudge Report at a link to the Miami conference. So a lot of people know about it, and it, it probably will get vilified because there's going to be eleven thousand. You know, people who care about money, you know, you're not supposed to care about getting wealthy anymore. But uh, Bitcoin Clot, are you going to be in the house? And uh, your take on uh, this, what is bound to be the biggest uh, Bitcoin conference in the history of mankind, the most important one uh, so far? Clot, my what? Yeah, I think oh. so. Oh, crap. I didn't even see. <laughs> that sucks. Um, then uh, we'll go to, uh, we'll stick with Marty's Al then. I'll be there. Um, so I'm, I'm flying Thursday. It's, it'll be a little bit weird being a NIM going there, but going to the plug party Thursday night, hit me up if you're going. Let's, let's raise a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to all the speakers there. It should be a fun little week in Miami. Get away from 
the, the mass hysteria. Um, you know, I'm in the U.S., like a little bit north, so just get away from all the morons up here, then go to a place where people actually value freedom. So it should be a little bit more fun down there. Um, yeah, looking forward to meeting everybody. It should be a good time. Um, so yeah, let's do it. Miami, are you baby. On, are you on Clubhouse at all? Um, I am. I was at the very beginning, but haven't been in there uh, for a while. It's just. It just got a little old. I got a little burnt out, but uh, I go in there every now and then. There's like a good panel or whatever going on. Yeah, I've been I've been asking every guest their opinion on Clubhouse. I, I had one good experience, but I can see how a lot of people can get bored, and uh, I I can see how some people become addicted. And we we do have some people who've been on the show in the past who I when I check out Clubhouse every time they're on there. <laughs> Bitcoin Tina's a big fan of that. I know. He's, all right. Um, all right, uh, Alex, what's your take on uh, Clubhouse? You mentioned it. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a fad. Like I, I mentioned this a little while ago, I think. Like, I mean, I, I in the beginning I was there and I was doing a bunch of, um, you know, it, I, I found it kind of cool because, you know, it was relatively serendipitous. You know, uh, the, the whole Lex Friedman, Eric Weinstein thing all blew up because I, me and Alan Farrington created a room to bash Taleb and, um, and Eric Weinstein popped in. And then Lex Friedman popped in and that's where the whole original conversation happened. Um, and, you know, Lex was like, you know, Oh, love, man. love." <laughs> and, and anyway, like we were like, all right, well let's, you know, do you want to learn about Bitcoin? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, um, let's do a podcast together, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, he turned around and he blocked all the Bitcoin. So, uh, What's wrong with this guy? So anyway, the, the, the guy's a loser. Um, so uh, what can I say? Like there, there's, there's some interesting serendipitous meetings in there, but um, it's, it's man, like I, I was on it maybe once a week or twice a week in the beginning. Now I've been on it maybe three times in the last two months. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to last. I can see that happening. I got a question though, Alex, about uh, Lex. Uh, do you think he really believes all that love stuff? Because he, he does really give that vibe off all the time. He's like, <laughs> I'm just a nice guy. I, why can't we be peaceful? He's a fraud, man. Okay. The guy's a fraud. Every tweet, the he says love at least once. Absolute. Yeah, he's an absolute fraud. He's an absolute fraud. He's a little dweeb. Who you know thinks he knows about like you know sitting there trying to talk to us about Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Man, step in the ring with me for five minutes, I'll choke you out. Like seriously, the guys, the guys a dweeb. He's a he's a he's one of those losers who never had friends and who sits there sort of hides behind these platitudes of you know love and forgiveness and togetherness and collectivism and all that sort of stuff. Like he doesn't, he can't think, he can't think deeply, and 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 it's a, it's a clear sign. Like you know you see people bringing on like he, he's sitting he's bringing vitalik on now and he's going to sit there and you know have, have gay intercourse with <laughs> vitalik because they're both losers um and they both can't think deeply you know and they're both commies basically like they you know they, they believe that they know what's right for everybody else um, so yeah, the, the guy's a complete fraud. He's, he's he's a philosopher king. Is that what he? Is that that's 
that that that's I wouldn't call them communists. Uh, there, there's a lot of dudes out there no, uh, that are in his circle. <laughs> there are lots of people in his circle that are uh, they think they know better than everybody else. Now, I, I, very interesting uh, take you have on him. I need to. I, I don't need to watch him more because his shows are just so darn long. My lord! But I got to I got to get a better feel up for him. I yeah, I, the, I, I thought the lo- oh, there's a good episode with uh, Michael Malice just uh, and he's uh, red pilling him uh, pretty pretty deep and he's kind of making fun of him. That's uh, that's a good show. There's there's some interesting guests in his uh, show though, but it's definitely like first of all the guy is so boring to hear. Like hear him talk, it's like it's some kind of autistic. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's very weird. I mean, it's so boring, and it's like four. Sometimes you have four hour shows. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's endless. Uh, yeah, but like uh, grabbing the ball on uh, on Clubhouse uh, to me, like it's one of the biggest like red flag was like not having an Android app for like months. What is that? Like it's uh, I had like some something like a billion dollar valuation. And like, uh, it's like, it's, what proportion are, of phones are Android? Like, it's probably bigger than uh, than iOS now, uh, I guess. So to me, that was like a big, like, it was a big, uh, a big red flag. Like, I'm not gonna buy an iPhone just to, to install its stupid app. But I've been in a couple of discussion, like uh, with Queen Beast, and there's a few uh, few lounges I was in. Uh, I think the concept is interesting. Well, you can like passively listen to conversation. Uh, it's like at the back back the background of your phone, kind of like a podcast a little bit. So that's interesting. I would like to see more. I, I've been only on Bitcoin discussion. Have you Have you guys tried like on other subjects or stuff like that? I've been only into Bitcoin discussion. I, I stumbled on some libertarian thing and it was interesting. But you know, I, I when I was younger, I knew, I knew talk radio. So I think a lot of these people don't even know talk radio. Yeah. So this is kind of like talk radio. So it's impressive to them. And it's it's better than talk radio, but it, for me, I when the only the, the reason I liked it was when I was hosting the room and people were asking me questions, and that's not like I couldn't just sit there for hours and listen to all these other people ask other people questions. I I, I got to be in motion, and I I, I I love answering people's Bitcoin questions. I I, I, lo- I would love being a host over there, but being one of these people that goes to every room and listens, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it, you can you can get into people can start talking there and it's it's useless stuff. I don't want to hear some of these people. Basically, you get stuck in, in some rooms and just lots of noise. But hey, let them try, let them innovate. Um, it, it was weird that you could only get it on uh, iPhone or whatever. Yeah, and, uh, it's, uh, that's odd uh, in this in this technological world that we live in today. Uh, and your take on Miami, by the way? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be there. I have a few uh, scheduled conflict, and the thing that uh, here in Canada, it's still pretty insane to travel and yeah. to come back. Like they basically put you to jail. So uh, yes. I said, "Fuck off," and I'm just going to follow remotely. But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Like first first convention in uh, let's say more than a year. Uh, very good. Uh, I mean, the, the the list of guests it's going to be very interesting, and not only with the big uh, the big names, but like the not like the amount of uh, of uh, Bitcoin Twitter people there is going to be massively interesting. I would I would love to be there just for the side the side events. I mean, the convention itself it's always interesting, but uh, where it at where it's happening it's always like the event on the side, like the drinks and the the the. the, the the, um, everything that's happening around the convention, I think this is this is more important than the convention. A lot of, of, of things in Bitcoin have been done by by Matt, like spontaneously uh, getting together and stuff like that. So uh, that's going to be interesting for sure. I'm going to follow that and uh, 
And it's interesting that Florida has become like this beacons of liberty, not only like in the in the in the U.S., but I think in the world. Like yes. people are. I, w I was reading like an article about how like U.S. the federalist system in the U.S. has basically saved the world in the last uh, last year because you saw like this is amazing. Like uh, you saw like governors like DeSantis and the guy from uh, Texas who, who saw the opportunity to be outliers and. Uh, moving forward with uh, opening the states, and it's basically set the stage for the other uh, the other states. To me, that's as 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 uh, the country here in Canada. Pretty much everybody, every provinces dug deeper into the uh, lockdowns hysteria. Uh, same in uh, in Australia was pretty insane too, Alex. I think I think they're locking down again. Yeah, yeah, dude, Alex left there a long freaking time. He knew to get the heck. It is the worst. They are pathetic there. And, and and you you great segue bringing up Alex, but I do want to say what you said. The federalist system, it maybe it did save the darn world. This state of Florida that I'm in right now, it, it may have. If it wasn't for Florida, it, things might be a, would be a lot different in the United States. I'll tell you that, and thus in the world. And there are all these haters of DeSantis out there. They call him Death Santes. They replete. Re they just repeat the same mindless talking points over and over and over again. And for the people that come down here, they're going to see it, what's really going on here. But it's totally normal here. It's not – it's great. It's been, it's been amazing, and I love being here. And I think people are just going to lose their minds when they come down here because some of these dudes coming from California aren't, aren't ready for this, aren't ready for freedom. <laughs> and that's sad that they're not ready for it anymore. And – uh, so Alex has been traveling the freaking world, has been wise not to be in Australia, and you have made it to the peak, brother. You have made it. You're in. Well, you're in Cal. You're you're not in Florida yet. You're in America, but you're about to be. You're going to be in Florida, and there's nothing better. You find you found your way. I don't know how you got in here. And yeah, Canada is a freaking disgrace. That if you came down here, you couldn't go back. You'd have to like hide out there for two weeks or. Or whatever. Although I hear if you fly back into Calgary, um, you might be able to get around these ridiculous rules. Uh, Alex, what's it mean to you to be uh, at this conference? Okay, because you have definitely been jumping around this planet the last year. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't think I was going to make it in, man. Like I, I got I got interrogated for hours at the border. Um, you know, they were trying to decide whether I'm, you know. Uh, what's the word, uh, essential travel or not, and every other question on the sun, it was a disaster. But anyway, I got in, uh, which is great. So I, I honestly think, like you said, um, t Texas and Florida are going to become beacons of hope. Like they're, they're, they're an example of those beacons of hope that I was talking about earlier because, I mean, you know, I've, I've been in South America, I've been in Europe, I've been sort of everywhere. And I mean, Australia you can't say it was blanket bad like you know australia like in brisbane uh which is up north right so so brisbane sort of climate wise is the equivalent of florida um surprise surprise they didn't have any cases there um and you know surprise surprise uh, they only locked down for like a week or something last year but everything has practically just been normal in brisbane the entire time and that's because naturally Brisbane doesn't get much in the way of flus and colds and respiratory illnesses because it's warm throughout the entire year. Like, and you know, the, 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 the state that is, uh, you know, that had the really, really bad lockdown last year. And that is literally gone into lockdown since yesterday again is, uh, Victoria, which is Melbourne. 
that's in the south and you know the the, the those, those idiots are like they're literally making it illegal for you to get uh, a cult like it's illegal to get a cult it's illegal to cough in that state like what kind of <laughs> mad world are we living in for for you not to, be able to or if somebody else coughs that you get imprisoned this is absolutely unheard of so for me like coming here now is like honestly it's a breath of fresh air i can't wait till i get to um to miami like i've i've had my challenges flying around like i make it a point to make anybody's life a living hell um on the airline on the at the airport at security i never wear a mask until they're like absolutely 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 force me um and then i take it off and just to piss them off a little bit i you know i i'm i'm it's it's exhausting sometimes to be a thought but i know that uh get exhausted before i do just to like keep annoying them and keep you know keep keep them feel worthless i'm about to get some shirts from, um with like some oh. please you break, you're breaking up on us here, yeah, Alex. Breaking you're, into yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The, your your hotel connection is, is going down, so we're gonna. We're, it's the end of the show anyway. So um, let let's go to uh, Marty's Al. Your conclusionary thoughts. Anything you want to add? Your link to below. Promote yourself. Any stories you want to share? Yeah, we're just another day closer to the having. We got another three years to go. Let's go. Um, but yeah, just you can follow me on Twitter. It's Marty's underscore owl. Um, took a, like a week off of Twitter recently, but I'll probably be back today or tomorrow. You know, why not? So follow me there. And uh, yeah, let's just keep this bull run going. One day closer to an all-time high also. And the having, of course. Uh, Jonathan, your uh, final thoughts. Uh, bring up Coinbeast, I guess. We're we get here. I got my Coinbeast yeah. shirt on. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can be found. I think Adam and me on uh, Coinbeast Connect. So if you want a consultation on various topics, myself being specialized on Bitcoin markets slash regulation, mining economics. Uh, it's a market I'm pretty uh, pretty active in. I'm currently working on a few ventures around the world. Uh, but uh, any anyway, like uh, like uh, like the uh, the owl said. Uh, uh, can be found on Twitter as well, uh, Jamel G H A M E L on Twitter. So uh, it's gonna be glad to uh, not gonna be in bit in, uh, in Miami, but gonna follow the uh, the discussion remotely for sure. All right, it's you made a great return appearance here, and uh, well, Alex, uh, do you have any conclusionary thoughts? Hopefully, the connection has improved. Uh, let's see. I mean, I turned off my video, so how's my audio? Is it all right? That's yeah, beautiful. You're, that you're, was what you had to do. That's you're perfect. in the green zone now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Look, basically, I was just saying, Miami is going to be fantastic. Um, you know, for me, I think um, being around, like, I mean, I've I've not stopped being around people for the last two years. Like, I don't care. But like, for me, just sort of being in a room of of people who are liberty oriented. And more importantly, not just liberty oriented like these, you know, Lapitarians, but like liberty oriented and mission driven, like, because, you know, we've actually got a pathway forward for, for freedom. 
Um, I think the energy is going to be electric. Um, I think the, you know, the location is going to be fantastic. Um, it's going to be really good. So, you know, whoever's going to be there, looking forward to it. Jonathan, if there's some way you can sort of swing your way to come down, just do it, man. Like, honestly, like, I think the, I think the environment's going to be incredible. And, and my gut feeling is this will be one of the, like, the, the events to remember, you know, because we've had such a long period of, you know, absence with everyone, but simultaneously because, um, you know, as, as Bitcoin gets more and more and more and more valuable, more of us are going to want to go off the grid. Like, you know, at, at some point, you know, I'm going to want to sell Amber to, you know, somebody and I'm going to, you know, want to disappear off the grid because I don't want to be around, you know, all stupidities. So like these kind of, uh, I think are going to diminish, um, inside or, or they're probably going to diminish in quality because, you know, as Bitcoin becomes more mainstream, like, all of us crazy people, you know, we're going to sort of want to do our own things. So anyway, I, I think this is going to be a special event and we're looking forward to it. I, I agree. I look forward to meeting you in the freaking flesh at long last, man. I've, I've, I've met your mm -hmm. buddies in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, you weren't there. Now I'm going to meet you finally. And it's just a few days away. So we're, we're going to be hanging out, man. It's uh, it's going to be great. Uh, 100%. And, and you make a really good point about future events. Uh, us, the OGs, uh, will drop off because they'll, you know, if Bitcoin gets to be a million dollars, it's, you know, it might not be safe anymore, <laughs> but a uh, very good reminder. So this, the, I say this is going to be the best one ever, like, you know, but maybe of all time, maybe in the future, one will never eclipse this, but I'm a positive guy. There will be one in the future that will be better, but so far this will be the best of all time, all the time that we've lived so far. So just because of everything that Alex has said and just, so many people have been locked down and uh, are just, there's going to be such a release for certain people, for a lot of the people there. Uh, so, all right, dudes, that is it. Uh, remember, we do this every Friday. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Thank you, guests that are here, and thank you, guests that have left. Uh, we'll probably do this week in Bitcoin earlier next week. It probably won't be on Friday because I'm going to be at the conference. So, pound that like button, everybody. Shabbat Shalom. See you real soon. Thank you again, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. We are.